Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 38 of your favorite podcast, Digital Digital Get Down. A special midweek recording. Yeah, we're a little bit late this week. I know you've been you've all been anxiously awaiting when you can download our next episode. We're here. You can breathe again. We're here. We're here for you. We're here with some wine that has most definitely gone off, but I'm drinking it anyways <laughs> on a Tuesday night. It used to be a recurring theme <laughs> of this podcast. Oh, man. So... Got some updates this week. We're going to try and keep this from being too long of one. I have a quick mini rant to kick us off. Okay, go for it. We saw a couple movies in the last fortnight or so. Yes. And all of a sudden, all of these movies have little intros from actors or directors in the movie. Yeah, it's been strange. Like, thanking you as if, like, you've donated to a charity by coming to see their movie. Is that meant to be their way of, like, please don't pirate our movies? Like, they don't even bring that up. It's more just, like... Thank you. We're like barely hanging on by the skin of our teeth to having careers and you guys are making it possible. It just like takes you out of the magic a little bit. Like I just want to yeah. jump into the movie and have the scene, the credits, like the overarching scene. And then The like... first one I saw it in was Coco, which not to bring it back to the Frozen drama of the Frozen <laughs> short, but in addition to the Frozen short, they made you sit through an explanation of all every single person who works at Pixar telling you, exactly how many hours they spent coloring each light in the world of the dead. I knew that already. I went to a Pixar exhibit. Yeah. So yeah, let people do their own research. Let them go enjoy the movie for the movie and leave it at that. Okay. The latest (sighs) one was Love, Simon? Yeah. Okay. And uh, Wrinkle in Time. They both had them? Yeah, Ava DuVernay came on and said this has no been a... Work. I blocked them out, I think. Yeah, well, we'll get into those movies another okay, time. Okay, we'll save that for a different podcast. We don't have time for that tonight. No. Um, it's a school night. It is a school night. An update from a previous one. I mentioned Janelle Monet. You told me that the other day you've been listening to her. Do you have yeah. any thoughts on Well, that's on what it? happens when we have a shared Spotify. Yeah, you have to see what stumble. I'm listening to. I've had a very odd odd musical journey my entire life. Okay. And I phase out of things that I never think I'll phase out of, mm-hmm. like all of a sudden, not mm-hmm. just gradually, just all of a sudden I'll be like, I'll never listen to that CD again. And for a while, you kind of mock me for this, but I, like every single female singing voice just irked me. Like I couldn't even stand to listen to it on the radio. Sexism. Yeah, maybe, maybe <laughs> deep seated. But, um, and so now I'm just thinking I'll flip the script and I'll go 100% to the ladies who rule the world. Okay, and around the world. Yeah, yeah, that too. Yeah. Okay. Um, speaking of music as well, there was a new Hamilton like mashup song that I played for us on yeah. the car this morning, yesterday morning. I what thought day it was it? some just some fan group had done it, but this was no. Legit. It's an official yeah. Hamilton drop, as they call it. Oh, <laughs> um, it was amazing though. It was mm-hmm. a mashup of Dear Evan Hansen and Hamilton mm-hmm. with Ben Platt. And Lynn Mamma Miranda. Yeah. And it was life changing. Because he had the time because he still hasn't filmed Mary Poppins yet. It's it's filmed. It's oh no. yes, he's no. filmed it. Um can I say the big news related to Hamilton though? Sure. We just spent way too much money. Our entire life savings. To book not really. <laughs> to book tickets to go see Hamilton in Chicago. Well within tw- about twenty four hours we will see a live baseball game at Wrigley Field. Mm-hmm. Dream of yours. Mm-hmm. Cubs we are my second favorite team as a child. Hamilton on fake Broadway. Yeah. But not on tour, as you told me. As long <laughs> as you don't see it, god-awful tour company. That's not what I meant. Uh, 
No restricted view. No limited view. <laughs> no obstructed view. First time view. I've ever seen a real show. <laughs> it, only, no it only view. took us two hours to find the tickets. And then the real main event of the weekend. Stars on Ice. The Olympic babies. You'll have to hear us talk about ice skating again, probably. Yeah. Well, the world, the world championships are coming up starting this weekend. Well, we're not going to. So we can just we couldn't splurge for Italy. We can just talk continuously about it. Okay. Um, I have a confession to make as well. Wow. Okay. I participated in a bad reads giveaway and I won. Yeah. And I know you're upset about it. A little bit. But I'm really excited because it's a copy of Mark Oshiro, a.k.a. Mark Does Stuff, Mark mm-hmm. Reads, his book that's coming out shortly. And I want a free copy. Shouldn't you have supported him by buying it? I will support him by making really nice reviews of it. Okay, that's fair. Not the whole point of the ARCs. It's like a real copy, though, or is it like a pre... I think it's an ARC, advanced okay. reader copy. Maybe he's going to need you to proofread it. Maybe. Okay. Next! <laughs> um... So we went to see Love, Simon for St. Patrick's Day, and I was yeah. fine with that. I mean, we didn't really celebrate St. Patrick's Day. That's right. what we did on St. Patrick's Day. Correct. And I was fine with that until I saw on Instagram that Darren Chris had some sort of personal 90s-themed party slash concert mm-hmm. where he, like, did covers of all these 90s songs and, like, invited every person he's ever met. So everyone on Instagram that was, like, Star Kid and Glee adjacent uh-huh. was all just posting all of these. So this was a private exclusive I event, I think though. so. But it was his cover band called Jumper Wall, which he uh-huh. definitely just made up just for that. I mean, he pretty much just does does that on like on a normal weekend night, sits around and yeah, plays. Yeah, so I guess he invited people. Okay. But it looked like a good time. Like, I don't often want to like go out and drink and party and whatever, but... But for Darren Chris, you I would do it. Gosh, for, for Darren Chris singing 90s covers, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, I would have sacrificed. It would have been super fun. Okay. Um... I, you're also going to make that same face that you just made at me mm. when I tell the people what I've been listening to recently. I don't, yeah. can't believe I didn't talk about it last week. Yeah. Once again, it's Elizabeth's fault. Former guest Elizabeth. Hopefully future guest Elizabeth sometime too. Mm. Live guest perhaps. Perhaps. Um, she, I asked her for some recommendations for pod fix. So basically like an audiobook but a fan fiction. This coming from the woman who I've heard say again and again, oh, audiobooks. Oh, how could anyone ever listen to an audiobook? Ugh. I dislike audiobooks generally because they're very slow and I can read a lot faster than I can listen. Yeah. However, I've been spending a lot of time in the car commuting and I was getting bored of podcasts and bored of the music that I was listening to because I am also in a little bit of a musical slump. Oh, right. Yeah. So... I asked her if she had any recommendations. Yeah. The one, the number one that she, the number one one that she recommended <laughs> for me was, was called "World Ain't Ready," and it was a Lay Miz fanfic, which I I'm like vaguely familiar with Lay Miz. I've seen it like one time, and I've seen the movie. I think. Uh huh. Um, and I just got obsessed with it. It was amazing. I wish it was like a real story. I wish, like, I think it should be a book. Like, I think the person just needs to change the names from their ridiculous lame as French names uh-huh. and change them to, like, average high school student names, and it would be, like, an amazing book or movie. And this is not hardcore sex fan fiction? No. There was no sex. Okay. Because that could be a little uncomfortable to be hearing out loud. <laughs> no. There was, like, one kissing scene. Okay. That's it was just, fine. like, a young adult. I'll, I'll like, judge you quietly. It was, like, a young adult novel. That's fine. Whatever makes you happy. Your face. It did, it did make happy. me happy. Right. It did, I just felt like I had to confess that. Okay. My last thing for my intro is that I had a rough week of teaching recently. Today, 
a girl guessed that my age was 41. Mm. She later confessed that it was because her mom is 41. So she just assumed like any like adult woman is 41. Mm-hmm. But this comes on the heels of last week, one of my favorite classes that I teach, the kids stopping what they were saying to look up and explain to me what memes are. Mm. They were saying, oh, we put some internet, we put some memes on our project. And I was like, oh yeah, show me. He goes, oh, memes are an internet thing. They like, kind of kidsplained you. Yes, they mm. kidsplained me. Like he stopped and like censored himself and explained to me what a meme was. And I was like, guys, I was around when the internet started. You don't need to explain the internet to me. And they go, that's not really helping your case. So you're a dinosaur to the youth. I'm super old to the youth. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And I am like 20 years older than them. We'll change our tagline for our podcast. The first senior... (laughs) Senior citizen (laughs) pop culture. Yeah. Oh, man. All right. Are we ready to move on to news? We're under 10 minutes. We're doing okay. Okay. I have a string of good news. I don't think I have too much bad news. I have a couple. I have a couple of both. Okay. I'll start off. Sure. Um, Old people. Segue from old people. (laughs) Old old athletes. Okay. Which we've touched on a little bit on occasion. But... Uh, as we know, the tennis season never really begins or ends. It's just continuous. Correct. So I got caught up in the Indian Wells madness not, a little bit. Not even a real tournament, honey. This is the not first even a real time tournament. I've become actually invested in a non-major Grand Slam. It's going to work out for me because you decided we need to go to Acapulco sometime. Yeah, that so one in, is in that. February. So Indian Wells is the... Southern... This wasn't even the Mexican one we were watching? No, Indian Wells oh. is in California. Okay. We um, could have gone to that one. Yeah, and they're in Miami right now. I missed it. Yeah. So, so yeah, got invested in Indian Wells a little bit. One note on, like, the broadcast and watching it on television, ESPN offers some of the courts without commentators, which is, like, my favorite thing ever. Hmm. Like, to you be, just hear, uh, to, uh, Yeah, and you hear the, the announcer comes through very clearly, so you keep up to date on the score. Oh, so you hear, like, the in Yeah, it's like you're actually announcer. there. And it just hmm. made me think, like, everyone's always argument about why you shouldn't go see live sports anymore is because the experience in the home with a big screen television is just as good. And I always go, yeah, but you spend the whole football game and the whole baseball game just, like, sighing or groaning at everything the announcers, the announcers are saying. yeah. Because even announcers who do a good job, they can still get boring or dull and or annoying. And they just they have to fill the airtime. Like, exactly. like, any sort of radio or TV announcer has to fill it with stupid chatter. Yeah, so... Background announcer-free tennis is like a great, a great thing. Your dream come true. So we won't dwell on Roger's performance too much. He should have actually lost in the semifinal round. He was getting outplayed, and he just like willed his way through it to the final. Had a strange match against Del Potro, who everyone else in the world loves, and I don't particularly care Me, for. No. You found him villainous. Yes, that's a good word for him. And it was like the most, it was really, it was kind of a fun match to watch because it was the most angry I've seen Roger Federer like ever. Yeah, he's usually very composed, very humble, very like balanced. And he's kind of been on this run now for all of last year and this year so far where the big tournaments that he's playing, like no one's even really putting up a fight. Like Rafa in that final in Australia last year did. But really, since then, he's, like, walked through most of the time. Well, they were just saying he hasn't played. lost a game in however many yeah. months. Yeah, and so this one, he was just struggling. And, like, I don't... It's not that I like to see him struggle, but it was but he's good a real to see person. him have to fight he's a, a little bit. Being. Yeah. Yeah. And he is aging, but he's still incredible. So, tailing off of that, um, 
It was a few weeks old now, but we saw Tom Brady chug a beer on Stephen Colbert. That was interesting yeah. for a guy who like two sips too drinks water to avoid um, uh, sunburns and ridiculous health things. <laughs> that was interesting to see. And he's never eaten a strawberry. Um, yeah. On Sunday, we're going to see Zdeno Chara is apparently still alive. I had thought he had retired in the years since we had not paid attention to Bruins oh, hockey. You cried about him one time. But we're going to see Zdeno Chara in action in Minnesota. Okay. On Sunday, still going over the age of 40. Cool. And Tiger Woods is actually a thing again. Is he? Which is like... I'm kind of meh about, but it is a little impressive that he actually came in second in the tournament after, like, being nothing for years. Okay. So I have some other good news, but do you have one you want to jump in with? Um, sure. Um, did you see the video of drag queen Elsa rescuing the police van Definitely from the snow did not see in the headline. No. <laughs> so in Boston, one of the recent snowstorms, like the one last week where they got two feet or whatever, um... There was a police van that was stuck in the snow, uh-huh. and one man dressed as Elsa from Frozen, okay. with, the, with the hair, the long blonde braid, mm-hmm. and a dress, um, single-handedly or two-handedly pushed a police van like out of a snowbank in the middle of a snowstorm while dressed as Elsa. Okay, with a friend videoing it. Someone from some random person from a bar that didn't know him videoing it. Okay, so was he in costume ahead of time or put yes. the costume on? In costume ahead of time. So Boston's like losing its mind in snowstorms <laughs> yes. and it's just yes. going... Yes, it has just spiraled. Okay, good to know. But it was uh, very impressive to watch, actually, this guy get uh, this police van out of a snowbank mm-hmm. as a single person. Mm-hmm. But also, he was dressed as Elsa. Okay. Um, I also... It's not really like a good news, but I'm going to count it as a good news. So Nickelodeon yep. went off air for 17 minutes on the day of the school walkout right? Um, to honor the 17 lives lost at Parkland School, mm-hmm. which I thought was a pretty intense or pretty cool thing to happen, I guess. That like sure. a, like they went, they were dead air for yeah. 17 minutes. Showed unity. And it just showed like, like a banner at the bottom saying, we'll be off um off air for 17 minutes for this mm-hmm. and i thought that was pretty big because that's like a real network True. and it pissed a lot of people off but i appreciated the solidarity of it and like in the grand scheme of things not being able to watch one channel for 17 minutes isn't a big thing but mm-hmm. it was a really nice tribute and a nice way to be supportive good um I also wanted to mention that now black athletes doing the Black Panther motion the is Wakanda becoming a thing. thing. Yeah. I love it. I saw that. So there's a young American tennis Wakanda player who won a, won a couple matches and did that. So we can um, link to the, the videos of that stuff. Also, if you need a little pick-me-up, just look at uh, Jose Altuve's expressions during the White House ceremony. He went, though? He went. A few people didn't. This was like last week, I think. But... Uh, the article that I bookmarked here has a few of his reactions. Like, on a couple occasions, the president, like, mentioned him by name and, like, turned around expecting to get a reaction, and he just, like, dead eyes at him. So. Cool. He's MVP the, he in the our little hearts. one that I like? Yes. Okay. Um, did you see that National Geographic has acknowledged their previous racism in their coverage? I was confused. They Like, a lot of the sources that I read were pushing this story that talks about how white people are feeling left behind, and I guess it was tied into their admission of something else. Can you explain it to me? 
I didn't see the part you were talking about. Okay. But what I saw was that Nat Geo has come out with um, an official apology, if you will, or official recognition that a lot of their previous coverage of indigenous culture specifically oh. was racist. The way the in terms of the word choice they use, hmm. the way they described the people, the photos they chose to use. They're acknowledging that it was from a very white lens and a lot of the word choices they used, things like, um, I, I didn't, I don't remember any of the specific word choices off of my head, but things like, you know, exotic and remote sure. and, um, anything comparing someone to an animal, like things like that, mm -hmm. that are very racist, that basically they've admitted that even though at the time they were trying to be like, oh, we're just showing this other culture or whatever, that the, because of the white lens or the, the racism mm -hmm. whether intentional or not of the author um that these articles were very racist okay um so i don't think they're like pulling them from their collection just a nice summary it's yeah it's an official apology and official recognition that they're not trying to pretend that some of these articles and photos of indigenous cultures mm -hmm. are not racist they're acknowledging that yes our coverage was racist and we'll you know we're making an effort moving forward to to improve on our reporting david attenborough's animals sleeping <laughs> that one was probably never racist i don't think so okay. um and did you see that remember we talked about the obamas at the photo gallery yeah the portrait gallery, excuse mm -hmm. me. Did you see the picture of the little black girl looking at the Michelle Obama picture? Yes. So she was on Ellen, and she's like two or three. Mm -hmm. So she's very young. Um, so she didn't quite know what was going on on Ellen. But the couple times that they showed a picture of Michelle Obama and the little girl, like, up on the screen or on uh -huh. the monitors, the little girl kept saying, that's my friend Michelle. <laughs> and it was so cute. Like, she, like, literally, like, was kind of staring at Alan, just like not really making a face and as soon as the picture of Michelle Obama and her came up she was like oh, that's my friend Michelle and like pointed to it and so started I, dancing I presume really that cute. Snapfish would have given her like an 8 by 10 of that picture then uh no Snapfish actually wasn't involved you didn't show up um some well maybe they did she got a bunch of tutus because she likes to dance so she got tutus okay. in all different colors you you go girl you're part of our good news and now we're on to bad news right now do you have any bad news, or do you want me to I just go? have one sad, bizarre news. Okay. Blue Apron confirmed never to be a advertiser of this program. <laughs> Not confirmed. Now they are? Well, now, yeah, Tell definitely. Me. So Blue Apron has come up with a revolutionary idea that's going to change the way people cook. You ready for it? They're going to start selling their collection of food items in stores grocery stores. Isn't that the whole point of Blue Apron is that you don't have to go to the grocery store? Yeah, That's their whole you. marketing marketing pla pa their uh, whole platform. business approach, yeah. Yeah, so you're going to be able to go drive to a store, pick out a Blue Apron kit, check out, pay for it, and carry it home, and then cook it. That's the only thing that's ever interested me about Blue Apron is avoiding the grocery store because you yeah. know how much I hate the grocery store. But still, I don't want fish mail order to me. No. So yeah, there's that for you. Um, did you hear that they're going to start serving pickle juice slushies at Sonic? Why are you smiling about this? <laughs> Why are you smiling? Because it's gross. Okay, good. I thought it's you were going to say... It's in my bad say, news. Yeah, I know, but you I were like, grinning. Because I was waiting for that face that you're making. I like pickles on my burger, but I would not want pickle juice oh. in my slushie. Oh. Okay. Please tell me you have something else to cleanse that palate. Um, well, another one that's going to make you make that horrified face. Did you ever watch the chairlift video? 
Uh, started to and then just turned it off. I, yeah, I don't yeah. think you should. No. If if I ever want you to go skiing with me ever again, you no. shouldn't. Uh, it was horrifying. Mm. It was going backwards and malfunctioned. And it was flinging people off. Because when it came, it was going so fast that when it came around the yeah. corner, it was like picking up speed and flinging people off the other end. So people were like jumping off to try and not That's get flung off. That's how it feels off. like for me on a normal chairlift. Yeah, so you would not have enjoyed this one. It was scary to watch. Yeah. Great. Um, I don't really want to talk too much about T-Word. Yeah. But T-Word's D-Word. There's supposedly some pictures. Dick? Yes. Okay. There's supposedly some pictures of it. And you're after them? No. That is like, I never, ever want yeah, to see that. Yeah. Well, this is the bad news category. I got it. But again, you're smiling a little bit. Um, the other thing that, speaking of T-Word, was his son. I don't know which son it is. Meh. I saw the pictures of, like, his wedding photos of him and, and the brother and, like, him and his wife. Mm -hmm. Like, I thought it was a joke. I thought they mm -hmm. were bad stock photos or bad, like, um, photo manips. Like, yeah. ma ma uh, manipulated photos. Yeah, I only really know horrifying. them from their SNL uh, impersonators. Oh, the SNL impersonators are like. impersonators being very kind to them. Yeah. Yikes. Like, my bad news was just their faces. Okay. It was bad. Whew. It was bleak. Scathing. Um, my last one. Did you see, I don't know why I'm asking you, I don't think you saw this, the Katy Perry American Idol thing? I She kissed some people, she flirted with too many people, she, something like, like that? She kissed someone pretty forcibly without their consent. Wasn't Taylor Swift. Um, well, I was going to say, like, I definitely am on the Taylor side of that feud. I don't mm. think that there needs to be female feuds all the time, especially fueled by the media, but um, I would not say that I'm on Katy Perry's side for anything necessarily. I... I have been known to, had been known to listen to her original CD, One of the Boys. I kissed. Well, that song has its own issues that we won't get into. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, so there's a contestant, like a young male contestant. And she, I guess, was joking about him having a girlfriend or having kissed someone or something. He said he'd never kissed anyone. Mm -hmm. So she pulled, she like made him come over to the table and like tried to kiss him. And he kind of like kissed her on the cheek instead mm -hmm. and then she said oh try again and then she turned and kissed him on the lips yeah and then he was so nervous that he did bad in his audition and she told him to go home and kiss more girls and then come back a different year because obviously he wasn't ready wow i didn't know the second half of it yeah hmm. so it's one thing if like someone's a fan of yours and you kind of like jokingly give them a kiss it's another thing to like force someone to kiss you then make them perform and then tell them that they did a bad job performing yeah, I just don't have any patience for that whole production, and I think it's pretty pathetic if she's if her career is at a point where she decided to jump on that bandwagon. They made such a big fuss about they were finally retiring the American Idol brand and getting yeah. rid of that show. Wasn't that like two years ago? A year ago, I feel like. Yeah, it's just stupid. So it's come back, and I feel like, is this what, do they, do they need this for publicity stunts? Is she really just like thinks that she's cute and funny? Not to like equate a kiss on a reality show with some of the other things that are going around, but it can still be sexual harassment if the fem if a female is the harasser. Sure. So I think that anyone who supports the Me Too or Time's Up movements but then thinks this is funny, like, that's the problem. Yep. Like, it, it goes both ways. The whole point of it is that everyone needs to be protected from sexual harassment. So it's very disheartening to see that kind of thing being normalized or played off as a joke on a reality show mm -hmm. when there's a lot of serious allegations going around. That's a good point. I have one weird news. Okay. It's not, it's not a segment. You're not a segment. Um, did you see the thing about the 
the twins, one of them went into space and the, their DNA changed? Mm-hmm. That's, that story is like two years old, yeah. What? There's a new... There's an astronaut, and they were studying him against his twin brother, right? Yeah. Yeah. Why did it come back into the news recently? I don't know. Oh, okay. Yeah. But it was in the news recently. Okay. Anyways, it's pretty weird. It is weird. That maybe that was... It was announced before that they were studying it, and now that yeah, the results have come results, out. some results, maybe. That's what it was. But yeah, so if they've, like, have the results saying that his DNA has, like, has changed. So he's no longer identical with his twin. So if Elon Musk is trying to get people out into space to Mars, he could be, like, trying to start his own his own race of humans. Uh, doubtful. I think most of the changes were kind of negative changes of the effects of space on your body because mm. humans aren't really meant to live in that kind of... Yeah, I don't really have any any desire. You know that I'm terrified of outer space. Yeah, let's so, go watch uh, Gravity again. No, I don't want to. Okay. So, how are we doing on time? We're okay. Um, I've got a lot of upcomings too, though. Okay, so do you want to talk about book or movie? I think we should do the book, honey. Okay, I know you've been holding this in. The children have thoughts on the book. <laughs> Some of the children love the book. <laughs> um, so the book we're doing is like a teenage favorite of mine. Yeah. Um, from one of my favorite, like... YA authors, mm-hmm. romance authors, um, Sarah Dessen. So you have read a previous Sarah Dessen book. One other one, yep. That was her second most recent one mm-hmm. called Saint Anything. Liked it a lot. The one we're talking about today is not that book. No. The one we're talking about today is one of her much earlier today ones. Is not that book. Was that a Lord of the Rings quote? No. It was. Yeah. Just not intentionally, yeah. maybe. Um, but it is not this day. <laughs> um... We were talking about this lullaby. Yeah. Circa, what year was it released? Mm, I'll look it up. 2001, maybe? Okay. Um, so it is a probably too cliche uh, teen romance kind of story. Where but that's like her thing, That right? is her thing. And yeah. I, so I should preface this by saying I am aware that they are like kind of cliche teen girl-centered romances. Yeah. But... Compared to a lot of others that I've read, I think Sarah Dessen does a good job of making the characters seem pretty real and giving a lot of like specifics to the setting that lead to some good world building. And Came th- out in 2002. And I think that's something indicative of her writing is that even though they're, you know, cliches of the plot points and stuff, mm-hmm. I tend to think she does a good job making you care about the characters and the, the settings. Okay. You're making a face you and your arms are you crossed. Done? I didn't even get to my summary yet. <laughs> the summary of this is it centers on a girl named Remy. Yep. It's the summer after her senior year, so right before she's going to college. And she has kind of a reputation of um, dating boys for a while, getting sick of them or bored of them and dumping them and moving on with her life. And she's kind of like a serial dater. Mm-hmm. Um, and a little bit of like a bad reputation of... Um, having too many boyfriends perhaps. Um, and she has a couple friends, mm-hmm. um, that she hangs out with all the time, like a group of friends. And she accidentally runs across this guy, um, who is the opposite of everything that she like wants or likes in a guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so they keep running into each other, keep running into each other. They finally start dating. Um, and things are starting to get a little bit serious and she ends up breaking up with him. And dating this other guy 
even though she's still in love with the first guy in one minute. And there's all this whole kind of side plot line of her mom who's like on her seventh marriage. And she, uh, the main character, Remy, like doesn't believe in marriage or doesn't no. believe in love because of her mom's kind of sordid past of all the different marriages and stuff. Um, and it's called this lullaby because her dad, she never knew her dad. He was basically like a, um, one of her mom's short-term relationships mm-hmm. um, left when she was a baby and died when she was young. The dad? Yeah. Right. But he was a famous musician. But he was a famous musician and his one hit, his like one hit wonder kind of was a song he wrote for her when she was a baby called it's This Lullaby. Pretty much the same story as Coco. Her dad is De La Cruz. Kind the of. The song is Remember Me. Kind of actually, but she doesn't go to the world of the dead. And the mother doesn't believe in music anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, now you're done. Can I say what I like about it first? Sure. I I like that it's not a typical love story with the typical rising falling action of of the romance. Mm-hmm. Um, like the they get together pretty early in the story, and then they break up, and she goes off and dates someone else. So I, I like that it's not. I, I agree with that. Opening. I agree with that point. I'll just cut you off for a half a second. So I did like that. I had no idea really where the love arc was going. I was somewhat disappointed with where it ended up going, but we can get into that later. So you keep going. So yeah, I think I appreciate that it was not the typical like girl meets boy. There's kind of like some flirting or some misunderstanding, some back and forth, whatever. Things come to a fallout. They finally get together in the end. Like mm-hmm. I liked that it didn't follow that typical pattern. So even though it was a little bit maybe cliche with like the, she doesn't believe in love and he breaks all her rules. Like mm-hmm. that part was a little bit cliche. I thought the actual um, like order of events in the story was like you said, a little bit surprising or mm-hmm. you didn't necessarily know exactly what was going to happen. Yeah. Um, you're making such faces <laughs> at me. Um, I liked the silly band guys, um, like their kind of um, vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, I lo- I didn't really care about her family drama mm-hmm. and her mom and stuff. Like I didn't really care that much about that. Um, and I didn't think the friends were as well developed in this one as some of her other ones. But yeah, I just really like the I like. Well, so this one you've always said is your favorite. Why, yeah, you haven't told the people what's why is it your favorite? Um, I just like. I think I like Remy's, I know you're not, you don't like her, but I think Mm. I like Remy's, like, narrative tone, because I find that she, I like that it doesn't feel as cliche as a lot of, even, even Sarah Dessen's others, never mind other, if you ask me, less competent, like, romance writers of this genre, the YA genre. Like, I, I feel like it is refreshing in that it's not the same old, um, main character, the same old order of events, the same old guy that she falls in love with. Like, I like that it's something different and it feels different. And I like, I think it's charming. It, it mm-hmm. charmed me that it feels different. And I know you don't like Dexter, but Dexter, I found, was kind you of charming. You for him a little bit? Um, not, he wasn't as swoon-worthy as some of Sarah Dessen's other um, love interests, but I liked that he was, like, very upfront about that he was a little bit of a mess. And, like, yeah. I found it charming that he was very honest and upfront with with his flaws and with himself and, like, willing to put himself on the line. And I liked that all of that played out pretty early on in the novel. And then later on you had to kind of see how, if Remy would accept it or how they would kind of fix their differences. Okay. My other question for you. Did you read this when it first came out, do you think? Probably. 
So it's probably you're, middle school. You're 41 now, <laughs> and this is two, sorry. So 2002. So you would have been in middle school. 2002. Yeah. So okay. I would have been. I don't know if I read it right when I came out. So I was in okay. late middle school or early high school. So I, I definitely. You have like nostalgia. I, about I was going to say. I definitely feel. Okay. I definitely give you that. That a lot of it is nostalgia. That I like remember liking the characters and there's certain parts of the book that I like mm -hmm. and I remember those and that definitely colors my judgment of sure. it. So my overall thesis of this book from my skewed point of view, mm -hmm. which I'm trying to be self-aware of. So I, you've had me reading YA now for like over a year. Sure. Pretty consistently. Yeah. This is the first one that I've read where I was like, this is a book for teenagers and pretty specifically for teenage girls. Okay. Like, it was not aimed at me getting, as an adult, getting something out of it. An adult or an adult male? Or both? Potentially just my specific demographic. Okay. The other ones, Eleanor and Park, what are the other ones we've talked about? Even Simon and the Homo Sapien Agenda. Falls in Our Stars. Falls in Our Stars. We haven't talked about that one, but that's another one of your um, favorites. Those ones, I felt like, worked really well because just like the best kids movies adults go to those and get something different out of them than the little kids do yeah this one i was like straightforward this is a teeny teeny book yeah can i ask if you think that some of that has to do with how writing or society or YA has changed in the past 15 years though that's one factor i think because that's why i keep coming back to the it, publication is day. there another book that you've read an equivalent YA book that you've liked that's been from the early 2000s. I, I think YA has come so. pretty far with like the John Greens and yeah. Rainbow Rowell. And I was going to even say Sarah J. Mass that you that you thrust upon me. It just felt whether I don't know whether it was the tone or just the structure of the story. It just those felt more adult to me than this book did. I think YA has come a long way in the past 15 mm. years. I think it has gotten to be more of new adult. Ish, yeah. compared to where YA was 15 years ago when I was actually in the demographic of like late middle school, early high school. Mm -hmm. So I think it has changed a lot. But I do think that Sarah Desmond's books tend to be a little bit more straightforward, straightforward YA. Yeah. Not so much genre bending or kind of books about teenagers that aren't right. necessarily. But I really liked her books. other one, so it's not just her style. But her other one came out. Three years yeah, ago. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, so maybe has, she's I think involved she's evolved too. with it. Okay, so you kept coming back to the word cliche. I wouldn't actually describe that as an issue with this book or I'm one of I my complaints. I'm saying I liked it because it wasn't as cliche as some of her other ones. But then you said it did hit some certain Yeah, it notes. hit some of the tropes. So for me, like, I never, like, groaned at the cliche-ness. More for me, it was the coincidences. Okay. Almost every single scene involves... Like, someone bumping into someone else. But it's a small town. I know. You're, but, like, you're from a, a slightly larger town than yeah. I am. It is not inconceivable to run into someone, like, when they work in the same strip mall. Yeah, I kind of like the setup of, like, the different buildings in the strip mall and each person worked at once. So I was fine with that. There were just a couple scenes in particular. I won't dig into the details too much. But they have, much. like, a mutual acquaintances as well with the car dealership thing like yeah. he was there for a reason. that one i was okay with the one that i was specifically talking about is there's a scene where like she's at a gas station and the other people are like outside their car and she hears every single syllable that they're saying eavesdropping was... is such a trope though that's not yeah, something yeah, yeah. that sarah Dessen made up oh i know i know i know that was just one thing that stood out to me 
My over, overall summary for this is that it's hitched for teens, is my take. Okay. Because it's all about the person who, like, has all these lovey-dovey these people rules, in their life, their but rules. then has the rules yeah. in their... So I felt like it mirrored that kind of to me. Okay. So it's that kind of genre of, like, you can watch it and enjoy it, but you're also like, this is stupid. Yeah, a little bit. Um, as we know from my other reviews of the YA books, I'm always, like, so shocked by the amount of sex, sex. and bad stuff going on. The sex I wasn't too much scandalized by, but the drinking in this one... She's just because we were good kids in high school. I know. I'm just so scandalized by it. Their entire summer revolved around booze as you reach for more wine. Yeah. So I was just a little scarred by you as a 12-year-old thinking that this was these were cool kids. You don't um, you don't think you were influenced? No, because they're meant to be like going off to college essentially. Like yeah. I think I kind of pictured them more as college students or okay. pre-college students. And my, my biggest complaint about the book is what I see as a missed opportunity. The title of the book and keeps coming back to this concept about the father being this famous musician who wrote this song for his daughter. Yeah. And she hates the song and she struggles with it. And the song does come play a... It's their biggest fight. That's why they break up. Yeah. It, it plays a role Spoiler in the breakup alert. and then the eventual happy ending. Yeah. But I kept waiting. You think the dad died? Maybe I read it too fast. I'm pretty sure that there's something about the dad then dying like somewhere across the country okay. so that she never was able to like reconcile. I with just him. kept waiting for like her to kind of face the daddy drama in some way. And she doesn't really. I think she does though. I think the fact that she accepts that Dexter sings the song and she has it like she listens to it on purpose. She listens yeah. to his version means that she's kind of like moved on from it a little bit and accepted that it like her dad's not the only man that will ever love her kind of thing. Cause that's right. how it starts off. And with, because he didn't love her, no one else will. Yeah. Okay. So those were just some of my other thoughts. Um, I liked some aspects of the family stuff. The friends really didn't do it for me. Like they were all, I kind of lost track of who was who and which ones had strong opinions about which things. I was more invested in the side plot about the brother who had like a personality change because of the girl he was dating. Yeah. And the main character, Remy, has like serious issues with it at first and then she sort of comes to terms with it. But that whole plot line just kind of gets swept under the rug in the later part of the book. Once again, not really though. She's noting on it so much because she can't understand it. And as she yeah. realizes that she's in love with Dexter... And realizes, like, the sacrifices that she's willing to make. It's, it's meant to be a parallel. Like, her friends are pointing out that, like, you never wanted to do this or this or this. Mm -hmm. And she's doing them all with Dexter. So I think the point is that she believes that, like, you can't change a single thing about yourself to be with a guy. Because you're, like, giving up your identity or something. But when you find someone that you really love, it doesn't mean that you're giving something up. It just means that you're adapting to better fit with the person that you care about. That's well said. So I think that that's I think that that part I guess is very subtle, mm -hmm. but it's the point is that she's like so scandalized by it in the beginning because she can't imagine ever breaking any of her rules for a person because if the person's going to be right where they have to like you know fit into her world and not change anything about herself. Yeah. But as she changes things about Dexter and realizes that she's willing to do things for him, it makes more sense why her brother's doing what he does. And it makes sense yeah. why her mom does what she does. So I think there's some really great passages when Sarah Dessen does what you're talking about, which is take all of those other influences and make some larger 
comment about love and relationships. So I liked certain passages a lot. I thought she had a lot of insightful things to say, but it just didn't add up for me. And at the end of the day, I didn't really like Dexter, so I couldn't be that invested. She dates this guy, Paul, who's in college, who seems really it's cool terrible. and really rich. And He's I'm like, such a douchebag. I hate Spinner Stick Mate. with. Oh, that's, I... like a, that's like a meme from the book. From all of her books. So all of her oh. books are in the same universe. Oh. So you, if, if, if you read Saint Anything again, yeah. they say hate spinnerbait in it. Nice. So it's like all of her books. So the the town, I don't think they talk about it in this one. I didn't actually know what state or town it was. North Carolina is where she's from. Okay. But the town, there's a, t- a beach town that she talks about in a lot of her books that either take place there or it's mentioned there. That's Colby. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and there's characters that... All of her books are in the same universe because there's characters that overlap yeah. in some of them. And some of them, they're just kind of like side characters like it mentions like a girl with this color hair at the store or something. And mm-hmm. some of them, it's more explicit of those actual crossovers. Okay. But a lot of her books say hate spinnerbait. That's like a thing Got in her it. books. So anyways, anyway. I think I think I could see how teenage Heather could be like, oh, Dexter's so funny. He's so cute. He's like a... Greasy little musician who's poor and is just kind of funny. He's doing his best. But for me, he just creeped me out a little bit at the beginning, and so he never could win me over because he's very, very abrupt when he first meets her. Yeah. He, like, bumps into her physically and is like, oh, we're supposed, we're meant to be together forever. Hope you know that. You'll realize it eventually. And I was just like, ooh, red, See, red flag. I saw red it flag. more as, like, like, a little bit more lighthearted. Okay. Like, oh, I guess we were meant to bump into each other. Ha ha ha. Okay. Like, I read it with a different tone, I think. All right. That's fair enough. You hated it. I didn't hate it. I gave it a, a middle grade. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I definitely think it's nostalgia talking, and I think there are a lot better current day YA books mm-hmm. that are better than this one, but it will always have, like, a nostalgia factor for me, because it okay. was it is my favorite Sarah Dessen book still, I think. Yeah. Although St. Anything was was up there for me. I'd like to reread that one again sometime. But. Okay. That segment was brought to you by... Book Digits. B-O-O-K-D-I-G-I-T-S dot com. Um, do you want to talk about our other romance uh, for, for today? Yeah, this is just a lovey-dovey episode. It is. What are we talking about? We Mary. Are, we are talking about Call Me By Your Name. I mean, what are we, what are we talking about, Bennett? <laughs> Don't. <laughs> Um, we're talking about Call Me By Your Name, the recent Oscar-nominated film. It has to be. Is it the dumbest line in the book as well, like okay. it is the movie? It makes a lot more sense in the book. The call me by your name and I'll call you by mine? mine? Yes. Yeah. It makes a lot more sense in the book. Okay. Um, so if you haven't heard anything about it, it is a kind of tragic, to some extent, gay romance mm-hmm. that has quite a large age difference right. set in Italy. Correct. So, um, Oliver comes to Italy as a grad student to stay with a professor for the summer to work Mm -hmm. on his book or his thesis or whatever. Doesn't really matter. Um, and the professor's son, Elio, Mm -hmm. um, is like harbors, it's from mainly his perspective and he like has this lust or crush on Oliver, even though he's some amount of years older than him. Yeah. And um, kind of 
runs really hot and cold towards him because he likes him and wants to be near and wants to impress him, but at the same time, like, kind of hates how he makes him feel. Yeah. Um, so he runs really hot and cold with him. So it's his summer of sexual awakening. Basically. Mm. Um, and I don't think this is really a spoiler, but eventually all he they figure out that Oliver also wants him as well, mm-hmm. um, and they start kind of a sexual uh, relationship. relationship slash kind of regular relationship. Yeah. Um, that ends very abruptly because Oliver goes back to America at the end of the summer like he's always planned to. Mm-hmm. Um, so you kind of see the course of their meeting and their relationship from Elio first meeting him and kind of having a little bit of an infatuation with him all the way through him like being devastated of him going back to America. Yeah. Um, so I did read the book that this is based on. I did not. You did not. So... Um, do you want me to explain why it makes more sense in the book? Well, so, yeah, you got to explain that, and then we got to talk about the peach scene. And then there's we a can, scene worse than the peach scene in the oh, book, and I'll get there. Then we can move on to um, other stuff. So the kind of uh, titular scene, the reason mm-hmm. that this has its name, yeah, um, and the kind of most famous line from it or whatever right. is "Call me by your name, and I'll call you by mine." Mm-hmm. So they call each other each other's names. Um, after post-coitus? Yeah, but just in general, like when they're feeling a deep connection. Okay. And in the movie, it seems to come a little bit out of nowhere. Like they do have kind of this like weird connection and they talk a lot about literature and music and all of this stuff. Yeah. But it seems to come a little bit out of nowhere. All of a sudden, Army Hammer's like, call me by your name and I'll call you by mine. <laughs> and it's a little bit intense and kind of out of nowhere. In the book, it makes a lot more sense because Elio um, talks a lot more about how like... One of his lines is, uh, Elio says, he feels more like me than I do. Right. Yeah, I think I kind of get what they're going so after, but it's you're kind right, of just like, in the movie, it was it, In the book, it, it, goes, it goes into it a lot more about, like, he feels more like me than I do, a.k.a., like, we're so connected or we're so similar yeah. that sometimes he reminds me more of myself than I do, or I don't even know who I am, he's And me. maybe he's more comfortable in his identity, and that's what... Elio wants to get to, perhaps. Yeah, and a little bit of... It, they do talk about it in a sexual context as well, of, like, where does my body stop and his body begins kind of sure. thing. Or, like, that what he's feeling in his body Oof. is what Getting is what I'm here. feeling in my body Oof. kind of thing. Um, so it, it, it makes much more sense in the book because it's not quite as out of nowhere. It's something that Elio, like, kind of talks about in his own mind or his own feelings about it mm-hmm. and continues to make references to it even after like that line so it makes a little bit more sense okay um so the so the movie had the peach scene which is basically american pie with peach movie had the peach scene american pie with a peach and then the peach is consumed in the book the peach is consumed there is this basically it's meant to be there's a kind of theme along with the Call Me By Your Name theme, there's this theme of not having any shame between them and having that lead to, like, a greater intimacy of, uh-huh. like, not being ashamed of anything that they do together. Because Even at first, fucking fruit. At first, in the book, it's, it's a little bit different from the movie in that Elio actually regrets having sex with Oliver uh-huh. and, like, deeply regrets it and feels very shameful for what he did and kind of doesn't want to see Oliver again and has this really visceral reaction of, like, regretting what he did. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he later kind of 
just like comes around again and like wants Oliver again and wants to pursue him again. But there's some, a lot of like kind of self loathing, self loathing in the, in the book mm-hmm. of questioning if, if he was really ready or if he actually wanted to start a sexual relationship with Oliver. Okay. Um, so the peach helps him answer that question. A uh, kind of, but the, the peach helps him kind yeah, of, like on the giant he, peach. He, it's a pretty small peach. I think. <laughs> um, Size doesn't matter. So he uh, basically feels very shameful about it. Mm-hmm. And the peach scene is supposed to be Oliver showing Elio that he doesn't need to be sh- feel shameful about any of his sexual like proclivities. Like that it's just, it is what it is. You don't feel ashamed about what the things that you want and your desires. Mm-hmm. The weirder thing in the book, yeah. worse than the peach scene for me, is that when, for your younger audience? when they're in Rome, yeah. um, they get to Rome... And Ilio talks about wanting to, like, remove any shame between them and whatever. So Oliver takes a shit. Oh, boy. Ilio says he wants to... Shit on top he of wants the shit. to shit on top of the shit no. so their, their poop touches in the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> and then Oliver sits there and, like, massages Ilio's belly while he poops. Wow. To, like, bring them close together and to not have any sort of shame about anything to do with their body. Not even sexual. Just any sort of bodily function. Wow. So, like, there's... It, like, describes in detail in the book of Oliver sitting there, like, feeling Elio's belly as he's pooping. All right. I think that's the end of the episode, folks. <laughs> and then they shower together with their poop sitting in the toilet together. I think this episode has to be plus poop. We've decided it just now. <laughs> plus poop so, and peaches. Peaches and poop. <laughs> So I found that, I, I mean, I understand what they're saying. Finish the sentence. I understand. What did you find? I there? understand what they're saying about, like, like the lack of shame between them being this kind of forced intimacy, but I found that worse. But than have a little thing. shame. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I can appreciate shame. all that, but have a little yeah, shame. Yeah, have a little shame. Okay. So can we talk more about the movie now, since that's my only frame of reference? Sure. I'll jump into some stuff about whether it was the same or the different from the book. But. Right. So there, there's been a lot written and talked about the age difference. Yeah. And you have to take into context that all the scenes pretty much take place in Italy, where apparently the age of consent is like 14. 16, I think. But Okay. Sure. So I heard that in the book... The age gap is smaller. It's like 17 and 24. Yes. He's so Oliver is 24 in the book and Elio is 17, I think. So and in the movie, it's like 15 and 29, I think. 15 in the movie? Or maybe 17 and 29. I think he's seven. I think okay. he's the same age, but um, Oliver is meant to be a lot older in the okay. movie. I see watching the movie. I didn't realize he was 27. Watching the movie... I assumed he was like 24. When I hear grad student, I know that there are a lot of non-typical students. When I hear yeah. grad student, I assume they're in their early but to mid-20s. But when you at Mr. Hammer, you said mid to early 20s? I said he's in his 30s, probably. I I, I guess I'm so used to movie actors being so much older than their ages. Like, anytime yeah. you watch a high school thing, they're all in their 20s. So for me to think that he was like 25 or 26, I was yeah. like, whatever. I wasn't. I guess I wasn't reading that much into how old Army Hammer looks because I was yeah. thinking, okay, he's meant to be a grad student. He acts fairly young mm-hmm. in the movie. So I kind of assumed he was like 25. Yeah. So for me, like the the movie does not make a big deal about it at all. Like it never, it never, you know, questions whether the age. I mean, it adds is. a little bit of like um, trying to keep it a secret, I think. You think? I thought so. I thought it was more just because they felt like they had to hide it anyways. 
I think that's part of it, but I think part of the reason that they had Ty, like, I think his dad seemed pretty chill about, yeah. about um, homosexuality. Homosexual. I mean, his dad was amazing. He was basically yeah. Robin Williams, come back from the dead. Yeah. Um, his dad was one of the best parts of the movie for me, and the book, really, too. But, um, I, yeah, I felt like they were hiding it a bit more, like, from the maid and from his dad and stuff, because that he was one of his dad's, like, older students. Yeah. I guess my bigger point is just that I I was glad that they didn't, like, really condone it. Like, it wasn't all about saying, you know, if it's love, then age doesn't matter at all. Yeah, like, they still kept it a secret to some extent. Right. But it also wasn't a focus. And, like, you and I, I think both of the movie were waiting for some sort, some sort of shoe to drop, whether... The age thing created an issue, or the homosexuality the created an yeah. issue, or someone died, and so it's and there building was a that lot tension. of yeah, they built a lot of that tension both in like you know minor injuries and kind of interactions with some of the other people, yeah, but also like the the secrecy of it. Yeah, I was uh, maybe that's just a reflection on a lot of how gay uh, romances are portrayed in media, but I was mm-hmm. expecting something very tragic, um, so. Uh, I was expecting something worse than what actually happens. Yeah. Um, so for me, I think it was probably actually one of my favorite movies of the past year. Really? I think so. You've never told me this. In terms of the movie-going experience. And for me, this was like what I would consider to be an Oscar film. Like That's what it was going for, and that's what okay. it achieved for me. And I can only take them in small bits, usually. Like I can yeah. only see one every couple months. But other movies that I've seen, like um, The Tree of Life and that American Honey one I watched a few months ago, where it's more about, like, the mood and atmosphere as opposed to following any sort of typical movie, um, you know, progression. I did love this, the setting in this, though. Like, I thought that they did a really good job of making you feel like it was summer in Italy. Yeah. Like the beginning's kind of slow, like lazy summer slowness. And then you get a lot of, um, just, they did a really good job of capturing the scene, not only of it, like the backdrop being Italy, but yeah. also like the feeling of like a long summer. And yeah, I thought they did a really good job with that in the movie mm-hmm. while still having there be a plot. Yes. And then we have to talk about Timothy, he was because so good. Because it's worth seeing just for that. And like I've mentioned a few times on the podcast how I don't know if I can tell good acting performances. I can only tell bad acting performances. But this was one where I was like, that was phenomenal yes. from start to finish. And the fact that he like, rapidly switches from French to Italian yeah, the to language English. Skills and alone. Like his, especially after having read the book and how much of it is like stream of conscious diary entry style from Alio's point of view. Mm-hmm. The fact that um, that Timothy Chalamet was able to portray a lot of that without... Was there a voiceover? No. Yeah, without having a voiceover, without having a ton of exposition or monologuing, that he was able to portray all of those emotions and feelings with just, like, a glance or, yeah. a, like, a body language. Yeah. Amazing. Like, I don't know how he didn't win. Like, and he's bullshit. And he's yeah. so cute. Um, so Mr. Hammer didn't do it for me. Mm. Go ahead. I don't know if it was miscast or if he just, I don't know, he felt like he was acting to me constantly, whether it was the weird dance moves or the way he delivered his lines. I just never, I didn't get as sucked into it by him as I did by Timothy. I agree with you, but after reading the book, not to be that person this whole podcast, but Uh after reading the book, that's how Oliver is described, that he's constantly like 
checking himself and thinking about what he's saying before he says it. And he constantly seems like he's acting a part. And I, I agree with you that like he wasn't as natural to watch, mm-hmm. but in the book, that's a bit how Oliver is described anyway. So okay. he did fit pretty well with the description of Oliver in the book and the way that Oliver acts in the book. But I agree that he was not as easy to watch as Timothy was. You know who was originally casted? No. Shia. The <gasps> boof. Oh, that would have been bad. Cover of Esquire this month. Coming out and uh, admitting that he's been a tool bag for the last, like, six years. Okay. So he was the first the first pick. I don't think I would have enjoyed that anymore. Mm. Although he does at least look a little bit younger than Army Hammer. Yeah. Um... So in terms of, like, the plot, I, I did giggle a little bit throughout because, like, the whole research and the concept of the grad student, like, was so unimportant. Like, they go on one, I don't know if they do more in the book, but they go on one research trip and it's just an opportunity for the two guys to flirt more together. In the book, there's a lot of, in the book, Army Hammer's character is writing a lot. Okay. So he's writing and writing and writing and then goes to the translator in town, which mm-hmm. they do like one time in the movie, goes to the translator in town to get the pages translated into into Italian. So he's not like researching as much as he's just writing. And then part of the deal is that he helps the professor with his work over the summer while he writes his book okay. and can get it translated into Italian. And like you said, the dad is one of the best parts of the movies too. The one of his last scene where he makes this big confession and it's sort of ambiguous. Is he confessing that he had homosexual urges back in his yeah. time? Or if he just understands Elio on some different level? But it's really I would want to see the movie again to see just some of those scenes scene. again. Yeah. yeah. And that's almost word for word from the book, that scene. And it's one of the best scenes in the movie for sure. Okay. Um and I as much as I didn't love necessarily army hammer in it i thought he did have very good chemistry with timothy chalamet and kind mm-hmm. of like the the more Rolling sexual scenes or the more relationship scenes i thought they did have very good chemistry together like lots of sexual tension and like softcore porn basically in parts mm-hmm. of it well that leads me to my final question for you okay i'll give you 60 seconds we're coming up on one hour here okay so this is a book written by a straight fellow yeah, I looked it up. Sure? Pretty sure. Oh, the Almost director positive. of the movie is gay. Okay, so the director was gay, but the person, the guy who um, adapted the book for the screenplay was also straight, and the two main characters are straight. Do we need to have any feelings about these things? Yes. Um, it is a conversation that's been being had recently okay. regarding this movie and Love Simon because Love Simon, your but Nick your boy Nick Robinson delicious. is straight, mm. so there has been uh, a conversation about not only representation of the characters <gasps> but representation of the actors. Do you think in fifty years people will be like, I can't believe Nick Robinson did gay face? I don't possibly. I don't think so, but. It's a bigger issue with trans characters often, yeah. or characters with disabilities. Sure. Why not cast them? But it is an issue with... Mm. The, the main reason it's an issue with gay characters, I, from my point of view, limited point of view, is that it's often more difficult for straight characters to get cast in romance. Uh, sorry. It's often more difficult for gay actors to get cast 
in like romance for like a straight character because it's like it won't be believable or something. Okay. So if you're not casting, if you won't cast them in straight romances because it's not believable, but then you're casting straight guys in gay romances, it's are they taking apart from a gay character from a Could gay this actor? Ruin Darren Chris's reputation someday. From being Andrew Cannon getting casted as gay characters. Oh, I don't know. So it definitely is a conversation that needs to be had. I don't know that I have anything intelligent to say about it. Mm -hmm. But the fact that like the two biggest gay movies of the year so far have been three out of four straight leads. Yeah. And the fourth one, the Love, Simon one only came out as gay after the film. So he Hmm. was cast when they thought he was straight. Hmm. So is that a problem? Yes. Okay. But I don't have any other necessarily commentary on it. All right. Any other notes you want to share on the movie or the book? Um, I just really liked Mar- Marcia, and I felt bad for her. Oh, yeah. In the book, you, they, he kind of just completely forgets about her. Yeah. Um, in the movie, there's a little bit more kind of closure with it, um, but I liked her the best. I was most attracted to her out of everyone <laughs> in the movie. Um, I actually liked the movie better than the book. I didn't really like mm. the book. Mm. Um, I found the book really hard to follow, and I don't know if it's because I was reading it kind of quickly. I don't know if it's because I had already seen the movie, so I was kind of just, like, looking for movie scenes and certain bits. But the the book was very stream of consciousness, like, to the point of, like, it's hard to follow, and, like, two pages is one sentence, because Mm -hmm. it's just run-on sentence after fragment after run-on sentence. So just, like, lots of run-on sentences and, like, long convoluted thoughts that I have to, like, read four times to try and make sense of. And, like, rapidly switching emotions and feelings. Like, in the movie, he is a little bit, like, up and, like, very, like I said, hot and cold. But in the book, it's, like, one second he's in love with him, one second he hates him, one second he wants him, one second he feels shame. And I guess that's, like, that's realistic to, you know, teenagers with a lot of emotions and feeling some, like, definitely conflicting emotions. But it was hard to follow in the book. Hmm. And hard to get a grasp on, like, am I rooting for them? Am I not rooting for them? Like... So it wasn't very... I guess that's the point, again, but I don't know. Mm. Um, well, like we said, it's a movie about mood and atmosphere, and you don't like books that do that. No. no. And I also just found it, like... I think the movie did a very good job of, like, capturing the characters and making me feel the same emotions that the book made me feel. But I actually had more connection to the movie mm-hmm. and was rooting for them more in the movie than I was in the book. In the book, it was just, like... A lot of his, he has such like fanciful notions about romance and about being meant to be together and all of this that yeah. some of it I just didn't buy. Like I'm not a super romancy kind of person necessarily. Yeah, I think part of the magic of the movie is that like you're watching the character of Elio and you're like, he must have a million things running through his brain. And I don't need to know each of them. Yes. But I can just see on his face that he's... Like Timothy Chalamet was such a good actor. Like the subtleties of the emotions actually worked better for me in this case than reading the word for word twelve page like stream of consciousness about them. Yeah, less is more. Less is more a little bit in this case. The biggest difference though with the book and the movie is that in the book there's a bunch of future scenes. Oh. So in the movie, spoiler alert here, if you're still planning to watch it, it ends with him getting a phone call saying. From Oliver, I guess I'm Oliver is getting straight married. Yeah. And then he has a lot of emotions about it. In the book... In front of a fire. In the book, first of all, he doesn't cry when he comes back from the train station. He just, like, comes back and he moves on with his life. Mm-hmm. 
And then there's all these scenes in the future, but he goes to university in America and, like, kind of falls up with Oliver, doesn't really, and, like, gets postcards and calls from him, doesn't see him, and then he sees him in the future, and then he sees him again a different time in the future, and then he visits him in Italy, and they have this kind of flirtation, but they don't, and they talk around the issue, and mm-hmm. Oliver's, like, married with two kids, and Ilio's like, do I want to see him with his kids to, like, feel closure? Do I not want to? Like, there's a lot. Seems it like just gets dragged out a lot. the guy who won the Academy Award for adapting this into a screenplay did a pretty fine job. I think he did, because mm. I think he did a very good job of keeping the same emotions and, and keeping the same characters while taking out some of this extended exposition and extended thoughts and stuff that actually took away from it for me or kind of didn't didn't add anything to it for me. So I actually thought it was stronger to have this tragic ending of nobody, I guess a bit of a spoiler, nobody dies or or like it's a yeah. coma or something. There's no age. But it's almost either. more tragic that like they could have been happy. There isn't some mm. force out of their control that's that's making them unhappy because one of them is dead or something. Like like they could have been together and been happy, but they weren't. And I think that's actually a little bit more tragic maybe than some sort of death or something. Okay. Um so yeah, I if you're interested in this, I would actually recommend the movie and skip the book. Mm-hmm. Which I don't think I've ever said in my whole life. But. Amazing. All right. We're over the hour mark. That means it's lightning round upcoming okay. events. I have four plus a mini rant. I'm ready. Okay. Beauty and the Beast live concert. That was my first one. You have it as well? Was <laughs> yeah. that your rant? No. Um, I still don't understand these things, but that's fine. Live action Anastasia movie. Okay. Did you have that one? No. We watched that like semi-recently like. Uh, animated movie. The terrible animation. Terrible. Like the actual story is still good and I still like the movies and I still like to see the Broadway musical sometimes but the animation is awful. So this is going to be like a Lion King Jungle Book adaptation you're saying? Yes but they're people so it'll work a little bit better. No CGI animals needed. So I'm excited for that. Okay. Um, Before or after Mulan. Don't know. They keep pushing Mulan back so I don't know. Buffy reboot. Did you have that on your list? (laughs) Saw it. Did not put on my list. (laughs) Um, We'll talk about Buffy someday on this podcast. Um, Lord of the Rings TV series is going to be the most expensive ever, like $500 million. It's going to be terrible. Yeah, I don't understand what they're doing for it even. They still have released no, no details for it. No. It's going to be more expensive than shooting the three Lord of the Rings yeah. movies, Peter Jackson in, in New God. Zealand. Um, we said last week or a couple weeks ago that I was actually like almost interested in seeing Infinity War thanks to Shuri and the Black Panther characters. And me just to see how bad it is. Yes, and I just saw something saying that Hulk and Black Widow are star-crossed lovers. Back mm. down to zero. Back down to not wanting to see it. That was my least favorite part of any of the Marvel movies. Was it being like, it's getting pretty dark, big guy. Like, <laughs> no. My Lord. favorite thing I'm looking forward to is how forgotten Hawkeye is. <laughs> I absolutely love that. Because I feel like they just threw Jeremy Renner in because they just felt like throwing another movie star in there. And he never wanted to be in there and never had much to do in the other ones. And now I've seen He's a few a articles a for the too. last week that are like... Wasn't there supposed to be a Hawkeye standalone movie? Is Hawkeye going to have anything to do in this? Does Hawkeye exist? Yeah. He's going to stand in the background so and I just find that hilarious, yeah. Okay, is it my turn? Yes. Um, I think you're going to like this one the best. There's going to be a Westworld mobile game in the vein of like a roller coaster tycoon. Like a oh, Westworld tycoon. I'm into it. Yeah. I'm into it. I would play that. I knew you would like that. I would that. play that. I thought you were going to say like a Pokemon Go kind of game. Uh, Which I would not be into. No, it's but like Roller Coaster Tycoon, tycoon you yeah. know how much I like like world like world building games. Sim yeah. Park, which still doesn't exist, not which is my favorite. Yet. Roller Coaster Tycoon, I'm into it. 
Um, Nickelodeon is going to bring back Clarissa Explains It All. I saw that with, with Sabrina Joan Melissa Joan Hart. Sabrina Joan Hart. Yeah. Melissa Joan Hart. Um, and Lucas Hedges from uh, Lady Bird and Manchester by the Sea. The guy yes, who turns yes, out to be yes. gay. Yeah. First boyfriend. He's going to star in Shia LaBeouf. You know, connection from our previous comment. In a movie that Shia is write, writing about his terrible relationship with his father, where Shia will play the father and Lucas Hedges will play Shia. That sounds like a bad therapy session. Yeah. Yikes. Can I go? Yeah. I have more. Sure. Um, did you see the Netflix original movie mm-hmm. called Irreplaceable You? No. Very weird. I like was intrigued by the trailer, but I don't think I'll actually like it. But it's got um Gugu Mbatha Ra mm-hmm. in it. Do you know what I'm talking about? I'm sure I just horribly mispronounced her name. Her. Okay. Um and Oh, she was the one that was just in um a bunch of stuff. In um what's the movie we just Wrinkle in Time. She was the mom, yeah? Was she? Yeah. Pretty sure. Probably. Um, yes. So. Not racist. Oh yeah. my god. Oh, it scared me. So it's about this um, girl who has, who kind of finds out she has cancer and she tries to find like a new girlfriend for her fiance mm-hmm. um, when she dies. And I'm not super intrigued by like the uh, plot but she is a very good actress, but it also has some really good, like, side characters. Like, Kate McKinnon's in it and Christopher Walken's in it. And mm-hmm. um, I don't think I'll ever watch it, but I was intrigued by the trailer. And so this is just out in Netflix. It will be out. Okay. Is it already out? Who knows? Because that's how Netflix works. It's already works. out. It's already out, apparently. I've got two more. Oh, God. Um, Next. Crimes of Grindelwald. Yeah. Is this a movie? Yes, this is the, the Dumbledore next movie. Fantastic Beast movie. This is the Dumbledore movie. Okay. I the trailer was actually like decent. Like it did hook me a little bit. I still don't think I'm that interested to watch it, and I still don't really understand what the plot is, and I still don't understand why Johnny Depp is in it. <sighs> like you had you had um, Colin Farrell, and then you were like, just kidding, he was Johnny Depp all along. It's like, why? Huh? Why wouldn't you just keep a Colin Farrell? Ah. Uh... It's too bad. I don't know. JK, JK could have kept this locked down and it could have gone down in history as a masterpiece. Yep. And now it's going to be just like Star Wars where you're going to have people 15 years from now being like, Star Wars was like freaking awesome back in the day and people are going to be like, it's this expanded universe and it's just all yeah. old now. Yeah. Um, the only thing I want is... Yeah, we know. A Marauder's prequel. Thank you. Um, last one. A book one. Um... Marcus Zusick, yeah, who did Book Thief, Book Thief, but also that other ter- terrible Messengers. one that I read. Yeah. Um, he's coming out with a new book, okay, called Bridge of Clay, and I don't know how to think about it because Book Thief, I would say, is probably one of my favorite, slightly more like literary books or whatever. Yeah. Um, but he's Australian, yeah. Oh, but I really didn't like Messengers, his other mm-hmm. one, which I think we own. It always comes up. Um, book digits recommendations for me, so that could be. I really didn't like it. Um, so yeah, he has a new novel coming out. Um, 
Oh dear. And now I'm just even less excited about it. He's apparently started writing it like nine years ago and is now coming back to finish it, which can never mm. go well. Um, that means his, uh, publisher said you're overdue by like three years. Anyway, so there's going to be a new book coming out from him. So we'll see. Okay. And my parting shot for today. Oh dear. Three words. Oh, four. Sorry. Four <laughs> words. No more poo movies. Winnie the Pooh. Oh. Every freaking time we go to the movies. It's going to be Peaches Plus Poo. Peaches Plus Poo. Yeah. There is a new trailer for an adult-based Winnie the Pooh movie. I thought you would be intrigued by the one with What's-His-Face because you Law? love him. No. What's the other Jude one? Jude Law's on any of them, honey. Dominic. Jude Law oh. was just in that one. That's trailer Ewan McGregor. Oh, they're different people. Yes. Yeah, no, Dom, you no. Love Dom no. Yeah, no, I judge him for taking that role. Let your kids go watch Winnie the Pooh. And every single time people get excited about it, that's the Winnie Pooh movie. Get excited about it like a live action Winnie the Pooh, but then it's for adults. It's not for kids. Yeah, the trailer for this new one is terrible. It's like, hey, this is this is the creator of Winnie the Pooh. He doesn't seem like he's a great father. He doesn't seem like he's very good at his job. And he just sort of goes out into a park and imagines Two Winnie the things, Pooh. Two different things, babe. What? This new one is meant to be Christopher Robin, the boy from the Winnie Pooh the Pooh stories growing up. It's meant to be Ted, but Winnie the Pooh. Oh. The other one with Don Gleason is meant to be the A.A. Mill. The making Milne. of Christopher Robin, yes. whatever it was called. This, That's Christopher Robin. This new one is meant to be Chris. It's meant to be Ted. It's oh, meant I can't to be wait to see it now. <laughs> it's meant to be Christopher Robin, Got the boy, it. the fictional boy. So is his up. life is falling apart, and Pooh shows up. Yes. And Pooh could be swearing and doing drugs if it is like Ted. I doubt. I doubt it. But it's meant to be like Ted. All right. Wow. Anyways. We worked through a lot of things in this episode. We did. All right. We'll if, probably be off next week, but hopefully back soon. Yes. If you didn't get whiplash from our rapid changing of topics and lightning round this week, we'll yep. see you next time. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks you, Thank you for your patience this week, both with my slurring from this wine and also the couple extra days to get this podcast up for you guys. We hope you're having a great week. Um, as always, you can find us on Twitter at ddgetdown, where I'll try to post a lot of these links. And you can find me at Heather324 on Twitter. And send us money. Or just send us reviews or send us nice comments. Um, otherwise, thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading. Review us. And we'll see you next time. Okay, bye. Bye. You gotta get down with the get down. Well now, get down, get down, earth, get down, whoa, whoa, get down, earth, get down, whoa, whoa. Maybe we can talk our neighbors into doing the same thing. Get down, get down.